0: Uh, I think in learning day trading, penny stocks can be super enticing for that lower price account to begin with. But bottom line, I think people need to learn and paper trade first. See if that's going to work for you. If it's not going to work for you, that doesn't mean quit on trading. It just means find the strategy that's going to work best for you. Because that didn't work, that's okay. There's so many other ways to make money in the market and there's billions of dollars there. So it's okay. Just Paper trade first and see
1: if it works. You're listening to the Steady Trade Podcast, a podcast that inspires traders to make meaningful strides and pursue their passions. Your hosts are Tim Bowen, the lead trainer at Stocks to Trade Pro, Kim Ann Curtin, the Wall Street coach, and Steven Johnson, the up and coming trader who's always willing to learn. Together, We'll sit down with experts to talk about their process, the lessons they've learned, and discuss how all traders can level up their trading careers. Welcome back to the Steady Trade Podcast, everyone. Um, got the whole team back together today. We got Kim, Stephen, and me as well, and have a guest that we wanted on for quite some time. Um, I met Jane, um, you know, actually we were bantering earlier. I think it was three or four years ago, roughly. Um, met her at at one of Timmy Site's conferences. when She had kind of first kind of broke out as I, I believe, I don't, maybe my timeline's right, but she kind of really broke out into profitability. And the funny thing was I got a selfie with her, but I like never, it's a three-day conference. I never had an opportunity to actually have a conversation with her because everyone wanted to talk to Jane, especially, you know, there aren't many female day traders out there. Well, at least I'm sure there are, but not many that are out there on social media that you can actually find. And I mean, again, it was a three day conference. I never had a chance to actually even have a conversation with her. And you know, she's continuing to trade, you know, now three, four years on and you know has a book out there. And, you know, as as we brought Kim on the podcast, one of one of the biggest reasons, you know, I wanted to bring Kim on is is, you know, she talks about, you know, a lot of the not only just the emotional side of things, but just also kind of like this different viewpoint Versus the stereotypical, you know, bearded, you know, meathead alpha male that you know might resemble someone that hosts this podcast. You know, and I, and I think it would be a, a, an exciting thing to just kind of get a, a different point, different point of view. So, we'd like to welcome Jane Galina, also known as Airplane Jane, out there, and and welcome Jane. Welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you Tim it's great to connect with you. Yeah, it's been about 4 years. It was 4 years ago that I was pregnant down in Orlando and Zika was going on at the time so I couldn't go outside for the cocktail hour. So I was hanging oh, out by the bathroom. Okay,
1: okay. That that okay and, and and that explains it. Okay, I had forgotten about that. Yeah, yeah. Wow that's so yeah i mean again if you're forgot about zika uh, yeah if you if you're just not we won't spend too much time on this but you know if you haven't followed you know pandemics which i'm sure most people do now but you know zika was a scary one especially if you were pregnant because it was you know affecting you know uh uh, you know in vitro children at the point so so wow okay well that explains why i i I thought maybe you were ducking me i didn't know
0: (laughs) (laughs) nothing personal i promise
2: (laughs) How did you come up with Airplane Jane? How would you get that name, Jane?
0: Welcome, I have been in aviation since 1996. I started working at my godfather's airline, Maryland Air, back in Easton, Maryland. And I was working there, and when I was working behind the desk, I got bored and I picked up a little private pilot study manual and started studying and got my license Three months later, in September of 1996. So I'm actually a pilot. I'm not current, but I have had my private pilot's license since 1996.
2: Wow, that is that is a great name then for you, Airplane Jade. I love that. And did you like to fly? Did you do you find there's similarities between flying and trading?
0: Oh, definitely. There are a lot of similarities, especially with instrument training. I'm an instrument uh, trained pilot. So You have your scan. So You get used to seeing a certain scan, and it comes in very handy with trading. You're able to watch multiple charts very easily. If you go to a website for certain content or information, immediately you know right where to look, and your brain is just trained to look there, um, much like when people first learn how to use a broker's platform or a charting platform, it takes that time to get to know it. But then once you have it down, it becomes second nature and you just go right to it. So it's the same sort of thing. Once you learn it, it's much easier. Wow.
1: Yeah. And, and it's funny how you, you know, that's an interesting analogy because it's like, you just fall in love with a platform. I know a lot of people that, you know, even as platforms don't update and stuff, you know, they're still using them. Cause again, you, you're used to reading your instruments and that's your instruments, you know, that that you like to see. And then you look at charting different color, different style, and it just doesn't jive with what you're looking for.
0: Wow, Definitely. Definitely. And also I continued into aviation. Um, and worked in you in the Philadelphia at US Airways as a customer service agent so I continued in that aviation field and I held that job as I immigrated to Canada after meeting my husband and it was my second layoff in life that actually brought me back to trading my first layoff took me out of the trading world it was back in 2000 it was the dot-com bubble and Everything. I was working in the Solomon Smith Barney office and saw the WorldCom options that people had and they'd margined out against them and they hadn't paid it back. And I thought, you know what? Sayonara. I do not want to work with other people's money. So I'm going to take this voluntary layoff and I'm going to culinary school in Europe.
2: Wow. (laughs)
0: Okay. So,
1: so, so let me, so, so we've gone from, from, from pilot to, to customer service to working in a, in a brokerage house and to, to now a culinary chef so i mean it's like Talk talk about a uh, a polymath for sure. So
2: (laughs) wow, now now
1: what first brought you to Solomon? So so what first brought you to finance? From well, originally
0: I was an international business degree major, and I grew up in Washington D.C., but I went to school in Memphis. So very small town compared Mm -hmm. to D.C. That was my comfort zone. That bigger you know energy of a bigger bustling city, and so I thought, you know what, I love. I first job out of college was in the bank, and I thought, you know what. I love the finance world, but I don't want to be in Memphis. So I went picked up and I moved to Atlanta. I'm a go-getter. I set my mind to something and I go ahead and I do it. And so then I went to Atlanta and who was hiring at the time? Brokerage firms um, with pretty good salaries. And so I thought I've got the experience. I've got customer service. Hey, this is great. I'm going to go ahead and do this. And I got my series seven and I was a registered assistant to four different brokers.
2: Oh, wow. Um, Okay.
0: Yeah. And then everything happened, like I said, with the dot com bubble. And I thought I had the opportunity to partner with a broker of 25 years and take over his book or wow. culinary school in Europe.
2: Culinary school in Europe. That's, that <laughs> would win for me too. So, so what tell us you, you're doing culinary school in Europe. Are you considering maybe becoming a chef or a, is that going to be your path? What, what happens when you realize finance was still calling you?
0: Yeah. Well, what happened was I went down the path of the culinary world. I worked in the front of the house. I worked in the back of the house. I had my own wholesale pastry business mm-hmm. and in having your own wholesale pastry business, you have to worry about health insurance, right? As a small business mm-hmm. owner. Well, what did I do? I got a union job where that health insurance is cheap and I could travel the world with wow. the airlines. Right? So it was a blessing because I could dump my ships and I could still travel the world and I had health insurance, right? Uh-huh. Um, so a lot of what I've done in life is I've paid myself to be educated. I worked in banking. I worked in insurance. Uh, I worked all sorts of different hats that I wore. Um, and it ended up that that was great. Then I also fell in love with real estate um, after uh-huh. my business was doing really well. And it was a point of expanding and hiring other people. At that point in time, I was married, and my husband was my partner, and he did not help me so much with the business. It was all on my shoulders, and it was just too much. It was at a growth point, and I decided to shut it down instead of expand and went into real estate, which I loved as well, and mortgages, and then ended up meeting my now husband uh, when I was working at the airlines. He's a pilot, and he was living in Montreal, so that brought me up to Montreal. And I continued in aviation up here, had a job right as I crossed the border, which was great. Then I found that I got pregnant. And it was my second layoff, eight months pregnant, that brought me back to the financial world. And it was because I really wanted to be able to provide for my family. And I'd had some great trades where they were value trades, not so much day trading. I never really learned about day trading. It was always that value investor viewpoint. And that's how I found Timothy Sykes with penny stocks and learning how to day trade. And I'm always very thankful um, for all of his tools and instruments because that was really my footing and how I started. It wasn't ultimately my path to be a penny stock trader, but it taught me the basics to go ahead and progress forward and find that strategy that worked for me.
3: I'll I'll just jump in because I've I've gone through a similar path to you as well. I, I remember I started in penny stocks and I just thought, this is impossible. Um, and then I went up to the, the, the higher price stocks and I thought, I don't have the discipline to do because when they break the support and resistance, I just can't let it go. And then I went back down to penny stocks and it worked. And and then I've since been running well and I, and I somehow got it. But but what was what was your journey to to learning penny stocks? Did, did it ever click? Does it click now? Do the same principles apply to higher stocks and lower stocks? Or are you just... Because I see your tickers. I see you, you're trading... Tesla and stuff like that.
0: For sure. Well, you know what? I think the basics do apply, Um, but you're, in my opinion, you're going to find more trader driven manipulation with the lower penny stocks. And with the large cap stocks, you're looking at dark pool manipulation. Trump even tweeted about it today. Trump was saying, Hey, you know what? When these big guys are saying that the market's going to go down and yet you see that the market's going up. They're making money going against I mean, I mean, uh, what they Sorry, saying.
1: I, I'll let you finish that point. But, you know, you know, Kim is friends with Bill Ackman. And, I mean, we had a perfect example of that the other – you know, a month ago, here, here Ackman goes on CNBC, scares the shit out of everybody that the world's going to end. Meanwhile, he's got his boys back in the office covering everything. <laughs> and then a week later, he's like, oh, hey, maybe it's not that bad. <laughs> yeah,
0: and – And also the media plays a big role in the large cap stocks. You know, today, for example, we had Powell talking. All of a sudden, we're in the worst recession since World War II, right? And many times that will go ahead, that will drop the market. Then Trump's coming out, hey, the market, you know, maybe the market's going to go up in his tweet. Sure enough, the market bounced. And sometimes you can somewhat see the reverse psychology in the news. If somebody wants to sell a million shares of Apple, what do they need the general public to do? Convince them to buy it, mm-hmm. right? Vice versa, if they want to go ahead and buy a million shares, oh my gosh, the world's coming to an end. Apple's going to go bankrupt. (laughs) Everybody sell your shares, right? Yep,
1: yep. China demands going to zero. You know, they're not going to be able to ship the phones, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yep.
0: Exactly. So, in the, there's always manipulation, I believe, in the market, one way or the other. Um, To answer your question, I, I got a little off topic there. Is that with penny stocks, for sure, you've got your support, your resistance. I found that risk management, which is number one for a trader, right? That when you look at trading a large cap stock, if you have something that's trading $50 a share a day and you have two shares and it goes down $2, well, you know what? You've lost $2. If you are trading a penny stock and you still want to make that $100, but you have to buy 200 shares of it, then, if it's fluctuating 10 cents, you're down 20 bucks, right? So, it was looking at the risk management standpoint that if you have a higher price stock that has a higher range throughout the day, your position and risk with that position size can actually be less in trading a higher price stock, but your reward could be greater. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I call it the, I call it the rule of 10. You know, I, I talk about that all the time because, you know, again, I'm, I'm mostly a penny stock guy, but I'm not afraid of, you know, an NVAX or an MRNA, you know, forty, fifty, sixty $60 stocks. And you know, when you, when you've got an NVAX yesterday, it had $18, $20 worth of range. I mean, even if you're a, if you're a small trader, you had a hundred shares of NVAX and, you know, let's say you take $10 of that $20 move I mean that's pretty good if you got a couple thousand dollar account. So so yeah, that's something I talk I, I I it's one thing that kind of bugs me at times when people are like, "Well, you can't you can't trade low price stocks with a small account." You can if you trade the right ones, you know. Don't don't trade mm-hmm. sideways stocks, you know. So well. Wow. Wow.
0: And also get to know the personality of the stocks. Yep. Like some people will only I work in trading room as well where there's one guy and he loves Tesla. Why? Because it has that amazing range throughout Mm. the day. And so he's like, I'm going to trade the Tesla, the shop, you know, not so much Amazon. He doesn't like Amazon, but Tesla and shop are his favorites. And that's what he trades because he's gotten to know the personality he knows on the charts, the resistance, the support areas. And it's easy because he's learned the personality of that stock.
1: And that's something you can't do with penny stocks because, well, well, you, you, you can look for the patterns with penny stocks, mm-hmm. but, but when it comes to a specific ticker, I totally agree with you. I mean, you can trade Tesla every day if you wanted, where penny stocks, they spike one day, they die the next day and they, and they, they never come back for five years. So now you can look at the patterns, but I a hundred percent agree. That's, what's great about the Teslas and the shop of yeah. that If that's just your go-to and you know how it moves and when it moves. You, I mean, you can trade Tesla every day. It has a hundred
2: dollars. Sometimes it has more than a hundred dollars a range. And what is this style, Tim and Jane and Stephen called? This this style that Jane you're doing what as a what is it? What would you describe it as to me, who's still learning the terms?
0: Um, well, I wouldn't necessarily call it a particular style. I mean, I think that with every trader, they are going to have to go through a journey. To determine what risk management works for them, what position sizing works for them, what capital can work for them. There's so many different ways to trade the market. It also depends on how much time you have in front of the computer. Are you going to swing it overnight or does that make you feel uncomfortable where you can't sleep at night? You know, Are you just going to trade the first hour and a half of the day with the most volume and you're great at that? You know, it's going with your strengths as far as what are you good at paper trading? I'm a huge advocate of paper trading right off the bat because if people can't prove it on paper first, they're going to just lose money, right? So Yes, there's a psychological aspect of going from paper money to real money, but it can really help you determine your strategy that's going to work for you. And you mm-hmm. can say, oh, okay, great. Well, you know what? I love trading options on large cap stocks and taking 100% ROI and being done for the day. You can do that. Or it could be that you want to trade penny stocks on the way up, low floats, short squeezes, you know, where tracking the short volume. You have to figure it out for yourself, I think. Okay.
3: Can I, can I, can I, I just want to ask something because I know it's a question that all of the audience are going to want to ask. Uh, so with penny stocks, it's for me, it's it's super simple. It's it's like bacon bread by this point. Not that I'm going to bacon bread, but you you have a stock, three big green days up, then it gaps down. The volume's faded. Like it's a bad company fundamentally anyway. Everyone knows it's going down. It, it's it's as good as done. And um, for your strategy, I can, I can build, I can build a case to most built cases. I mean, I can build maybe two levels to it. I'd love you to elaborate on three or four levels. I can guess it's obviously support and resistance, support and resistance at high volume levels. And um, I can guess if you're going long, you're looking for stocks that can run multiple days. If you are shorts, you're looking for a key a key support level to break down. But can you add extra levels so we can learn the, the big, the big stocks and how to trade them?
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, one of the key edges that I use is when I went back to my book, right? I wrote my book. It's all about female day traders. And in the book, I interviewed Stephanie Cameron, who is known as the stock whisperer. And and now I work with her in one of the training rooms there um, called the training pit. And we trade around the dark pool. So we definitely have an edge. Like we were talking about that manipulation earlier. We see those prints come in. We saw the massive 9 million prints on Wells Fargo. When it went below wow. a resistance or a support level, <clears throat> hey, you know you have 9 million shares above you. You've got billions of dollars that are moving it. They're not necessarily looking for a 20, 50 cent move. They're looking for... The big move that happened back in February all the way down to March, we saw that happen. Right now, amazing day, loving today. Yesterday in the room, 10 o'clock in the morning, I said, hey guys, put on your seatbelts, the market's going down, why? Studying the market, also using different consolidation patterns uh, to see where that support and resistance is, where is that volume coming in on the daily candlesticks as well. If you look back over the past two weeks, you'll see, all right, every time we hit 293 or we also hit the 200 EMA, we had higher volume days. What does that tell you? There's more volume getting in at the top. Where are they likely going to take it, right? And then we start to see these dark pool prints coming in. Hey, on Monday, actually Friday, excuse me, Friday, we had dark pool prints coming in at 292.62, right? Then Actually, it was Monday they came in there, sorry. Then yesterday, what was our resistance for the day? Pretty much 292.67. It was confirmation that when you have millions of prints on the SPY, you start to see prints coming in on the majors like Microsoft and Apple. And they all happen to be at the top and we're going below them. And these are real time prints that are coming in, potentially millions of shares it makes it easier to go ahead and say, all right, these big guys are above us. What does that mean? What do you think that means?
3: To, to be honest, you said that very eloquently. I'm going to be the first to admit that it, some of it went over my head, but I'm going to trust. <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to trust because with penny stocks, I mean, I know with penny stocks as well, I can explain a lot of things to people who, aren't, who don't have as many years in the game and it just goes over their head. And like, well, it's so simple. For you, Jim, is it for you, once you've got your head around it and once you've been doing it a couple of years, is it like literally autopilot?
0: Yeah, for sure. And that's the way that trading really should be. It should be emotionless. Yep. You are trading against computers for the most part, right? As a retail trader, we're trading against computers. Do computers have emotions? No, they don't. So we need to go ahead and say, all right, I've got to look at the chart. Tune out the news. I don't watch the news. Yes, I saw the tweet this morning because it happened to be in the room and we have news that comes across, but that was just ironic that as soon as he puts it out, then the market's also going bouncing. You know, I think there's timing and, and signals that he sends, but that's my personal opinion. Um, and when you start to see these prints and you have confidence, you know, you're talking about millions of dollars, billions of dollars, and it goes below that, they were likely selling. Right. And when they're likely selling, you can probably see a large five, 10, $20 move. Sometimes we're at a point where Powell came out again and said, Hey, this is the biggest recession since world war two. That was coincidentally timed after we saw massive prints coming out yesterday. Now, right? now
1: I know the, the, the first question, the listeners are going to ask. So, so, you know, I, I explain what, what you're looking at, what tools are you, when, when you mention these, you know, dark pool prints, these big prints, what, what, what are you using? How are you seeing these? Cause I'm sure that's going to be number one question from, from that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, there are lots of block print scanners, right? So you can go ahead and set up these block print scanners to scan over a million shares and it's going to go ahead and it's going to spit out, Hey, there was a million shares of, just an example. To now, now, feel Joe free about. to mention tools.
1: You know, I know, I know, we we work for stocks to trade, but feel free to throw yeah. out tools if you if you, if you
0: yeah. If you. Well, I mean, we use Charles Schwab.
2: Okay, we're
0: finding out those block trades, but that's not the only one. I mean, Fidelity also has it. Um, Nasdaq Book Viewer has it. There's a lot of different ways to go ahead and see it, and not one necessarily is better than the other because. Being someone that's outside of the U.S. now, not everybody has access to it, and I'm sure that your audience is global, so you can, yep. as as there is a block indicator, like Trade Ideas also has a block indicator, Stocks to Trade has a block indicator, um, Scans has a block trade indicator. So when you just when you set up those scans accordingly, you can start to see these and you can start to study them. And you can say, All right, well, hey, here's a million shares. Okay, let me give it a day or two because maybe they're not done. Um, for example, the Walls Fargo trade had three to four days of print. The longer the time frame for them to get into it, they're bigger their position, the more likely the bigger the move that will happen, right? So if you'd had you know, a trade that came in on Novavax this morning and it happened to be at an open and it was below it the rest of the day, likely somebody's selling, you know, it's that easy. Or vice versa. Maybe you have someone and I don't know, let me see, there's like, maybe we're looking at Beyond Meat, right? Maybe oh, everything's down.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah. JD, okay, JD <laughs> not, not is the up. Best day that was on my there, list yeah. today.
0: <laughs> so JD is up. Right, So maybe there was a block trade right at open at $48. And guess what? They took it up. They took it down. Why? Why would they possibly take it down? Because they might want to enter even more. right? Yeah, I- so they're going to see how low they can get into it before they take it up. Or vice versa. If they're trying to sell it, they might bounce it higher like this morning. The dead cat bounce. It's always mm-hmm. going to have that drop down, retracement, selling, and then Further execution to the
1: downside. Now I, I know you're a little short on time, um, but I got. I'll, I'll let. We'll do one question from each of us, and and this is my question. That that as as we move through this, so do you think? And, and you mentioned your journey, kind of all around the world, and all these different styles. Is I mean, do you think? I mean, ninety percent of our listeners are penny stockers, Okay, they're they're here because they want to get, they want to trade, they they want to start out with low price stocks. Do you think that's the best way to get started? I mean, I mean, it's kind of, I mean, I know you started way before, but you kind of then segued back in to the penny stock world. And then from there, do you think that's, do you think it's best to get started in penny stocks?
0: Uh, I think in learning day trading, penny stocks can be super enticing for that lower priced account to begin with. But bottom line, I think people need to learn and paper trade first see if that's going to work for you. If it's not going to work for you, that doesn't mean quit on trading. It just means find the strategy that's going to work best for you because that didn't work. That's okay. There's so many other ways to make money in the market and there's billions of dollars there. So it's okay. Just paper trade first and see if it works for
1: you. See and that's you know and, and, and Steven and I debate this all the whole the whole paper trading thing all the time. And it and really again, is. you know, I, I I don't I don't disagree with him. <laughs> one of you know one of the biggest things I you know I I, I struggle with when when people are new is like, you know, I, I just don't want you blowing up on some strategy that doesn't work for you. And then you're gone and then you give up, you know, and, and, you know, maybe you, maybe you are a penny stock guy. Maybe you aren't a penny stock guy. Maybe you are a large cap girl and you're, you know, and yeah. or options, you know, there's, or cryptos or or Forex or whatever it is. The reason I beg people to pay per trade is, you know, just you're, at least you're getting the reps in, you know, you're putting yeah. the time in and maybe you start in penny stocks and you blow up four paper trading accounts. You know, if you're blowing up real accounts, at some point you're broke or you yeah. give up. You know, and, yeah. and and then you're gone and you and you never come back. So so yeah, that's that's kind of sure. now I agree with Stephen that it's you know when it comes to like you know you need to ultimately at some point the rubber needs to meet the road. Yeah. But if you're a total newbie and you don't even know what your style is, I mean, please yeah. paper trade. Yeah,
0: for sure. And and I speak from experience, too. I had a six-month-old baby. I had a $6,000 account. And in six weeks, bye-bye, all gone. (laughs) And that's when I turned to paper trading. And it was about at the nine-month mark, so that was February of 2015, that I came to day trading. And by November, after paper trading, it was like, aha, I got it. And then it was slowly positioning up. You know, with comfort levels being consistent, and then moving forward with larger position sizes.
2: Jane, can you say that one more time? It was it was how many months uh, that you were within the paper trading that you got the you know clarity?
0: Right. It was about nine months.
2: Okay. Okay. When,
0: well, it you know maybe you eight and a half, seven. Yeah. And a half. But but but, it was but really- you had a
1: lot of you also had a lot of you know it's not like you were a complete yeah. noob either. Yeah, yeah. well, value
0: trading, though, is very different. I mean, that's looking more at the fundamentals, not the technicals. So it Mm. took time to learn the technicals of reading a chart. Like pilots are pretty good at it, engineers, nurses that read heartbeats all the time. It's like an EKG, right? You get used to reading something, seeing a pattern. There's a lot of pattern recognition, as you were talking about, Tim, in all sorts of trading. It's not just penny stocks. That pattern recognition, the candlesticks, they do tell a story. And many times that story is driven by volume.
2: Wow. It's the book, I loved your book so much because it featured, the book is called uh, FMJ, right? Is that how I'll say the title? Uh, and this book features only women treaters, guys. And I can't even tell you, I read it last night, how much, how inspiring it was to hear the stories of women. And, you know, Stephen and Tim have both been, you know, encouraging me to get going. But there was something that clicked last night, just hearing that, you know, I think you need to see people like yourself, right? You need to see somebody that looks like you, acts like you before you have a certain level of courage. And so I'm curious, just from this perspective of you being, you know, one of very few in this industry, what what do you see that women... What's the edge that women have? Just because I'm a woman, I can't help but ask. Like, what's the edge that you think women maybe have in this business that, that, you know, men just don't have? And then we'll talk about men's edge, but I'm just curious because, you know, I'm looking for what I need to get the guts up to go forward. So
0: for sure. And Kim, thank you so much because that's the whole reason why I wrote the book was because when I was starting out, I was looking for a book like that to inspire yeah. me to move forward. And it came from reading Market Wizards and Momo Traders. Those are my inspirations in creating mm-hmm. that book and not finding one about women. Mm-hmm. Um, so that it's great that you picked up on all of that. And I think for women, it's probably there's that hesitation in going forward, but at the same time, less risk averse, mm-hmm. meaning that we will take that risk management more into consideration. And looking at the risk first, which is where all traders need to start from, because any successful trade is going to be looking at that risk management and the trading plan before you get into the trade. Um, you can hear it. Oh, time, so you're not time. you're
1: not you're not supposed to start out with with how much you're gonna make? I, I thought that was always the first part. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you know, I always exact, like to just start with it. Well, I could
1: make a thousand bucks on this, and and I'll worry about how much I'll risk later. You know,
0: yeah. After, uh-huh. When I'm
1: when I'm upside down, when I'm when I'm sideways or upside down on this trade, then I'll start thinking about
2: risk. You guys yeah. knocking at the door for the rent money. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: exactly. You don't ever want to be in that situation. So it's. I mean, if you guys are going on a road trip, right? I like to bring this analogy to it. You're going on a road trip. Maybe the night before you're going to drive up or down the east or west coast, right? You're going to map out the roads you're going to take. You're probably going to map out your rest area, stops, everything like that. And if you were to do that with your trade, you have your entry, right? But hey, maybe you took the wrong exit. You start going the wrong direction. Well, how long are you going to go on the wrong direction on that road trip before you go, wait a second, I need to go on the right direction. You know, don't necessarily be stubborn. You don't want to end up in Maine when you're trying to go to Florida, right? That's not Maybe you're starting in New York. Like, that's not the best thing. Now, you forgot
1: the first thing Stephen does on a road trip is make sure he's got a case of beer in the trunk.
0: You, you, need is, is, and, and, and you need to have your nutrients, so you your fuel and water. You need to have your fuel at your desk. That's important
2: too. Fuel and water. You're not, you're not going to have men though identifying for a road trip the rest stops. That is totally the woman's who are going to be doing that. The women are going to know where the rest stops are. The guys are going to be like, do we need rest stops? <laughs> but that, yeah. that is definitely women have a tendency to be, you know, we do have a tendency to plan a lot. And uh, I think maybe it's just going to come in really handy in this. Particular yeah. Field.
0: Planning is a lot of trading. You need to have that plan before you get into the trade, know your risk management. How far are you going to let it go before you get out? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I
1: mean, long time listeners will know that. I mean, if you're not watching on YouTube, if you, if you are, you knew I was going to do the thumbs up because that's, I mean, like 135 episodes of, of this podcast have been me yelling at people to have a plan, you know, so.
3: I'm, I'm, yelling, I'm yelling at me. Yeah. Steven will probably,
1: re- you know, Steven's used the podcast like six times to get dates. Are are any of the women in your book single? He might actually read it then.
3: So, Jim,
1: so Tim, Jim. I
0: have a question for you. Okay. As probably one of your few female guests. Is there anything different that you see of my description of trading,
3: oh. um,
0: or Ken, or Stephen?
3: you know, I, I
1: think, I, I think, you know, uh, since you asked me, I'll an- answer first. But in my opinion, no, I don't see anything different because, in my opinion at the end of the day, if you're consistently profitable, it's all the same stuff. You know, it's, 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 again, it's, it's thinking about risk management. It's, it's having a plan. It's finding your system. And to me, it's, it's almost like, you know, sex agnostic to me Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, because it's all the same stuff, you know, and, 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 you know, that might not be the answer you want to hear but to me, it's like, it's all the same stuff. And that's why we feature so many different traders is I just try and tell people, it's like, Hey, this isn't some secret magical sauce. It's just the same stuff. Stick into your stops, stick into your system, recognizing what does and doesn't work. And then just doing that over and over again. Like your your example of your guy that all he does is trade Tesla. He found out that works. What, what I see so many people fail is they find something that works then they see some guy that shorts low floats or or, or does options and they're like, Oh, I want to do that. You know? And it's all this, this like the dog and the squirrel thing. So to me, it's all the same stuff, but that that's why I think it works for you. Yeah.
0: Steven, yeah, you I saying? agree. It's, it's the yeah. trader versus the market. The market doesn't care if you're male or female money's yep. all the same and it just, it's how the market flows.
3: Yeah, I think the market doesn't see gender. I think it sees weakness and it sees yeah. greed. Ooh, I like that. That's good. Yeah, Steven that's good. dropping, dropping, dropping
1: knowledge. <laughs> uh, I'm going to Dropping bombs. bombs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like um, that. Market doesn't no. see gender. It sees weakness. Ooh.
3: No, but uh, I, no, I think I, I, I would go hundred percent with Tim. Um, I think we've, we've interviewed so many guests and, uh, and everyone has a niche. Everyone has an edge every edge has a three or four, or five step process of the different variables that you go through and the only a line and then, And then you take the trade and, and everyone explains it like it's autopilot. But when you hear it, it's, it's kind of something new and it's some weird system. But, but then I kind of, after hearing it a few times, I was like, like, I get it. You're looking at the block buys to, to see what the bigger fish, bigger companies are doing. And then you're piggybacking those moves. Once you exactly. guess the direction. I mean, it's as simple as that, right? Yeah.
0: Exactly. Why go against the billions, right?
3: Yep. Why go against the billions? That is the second quote of, of the podcast. <laughs> but I, 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 the only other thing I wanted to say is, the only question I had for you is, um, it's very easy for us all who've made money in the market now. It's very easy for us to say, oh, this is easy, that's easy, the other thing's easy. But it's it's quite a hard fact to check that 95% of traders lose uh, and the vast majority lose. Uh, What would you say to someone new who's getting into it? Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you think, how many hours do they need to study? How much dedication? Do they need a specific personality? Can they make it? Should they have blind faith to make it when so many lose? I I know it's a lot of questions, but I just want to throw them at you.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, honestly, if somebody doesn't have discipline in their life, if they're not super disciplined, trading is probably not the best profession for them. Mm Um, you know, you have to be realistic in trading. You will face your biggest demons, your biggest fears, and you will find that it comes out with your trades and you have the ability to improve and make that better. If you journal your trades, you have the data, you see where you went wrong and you can improve it. If you don't even have the discipline to go ahead and say, Hey, these are my trades and look and reflect back at what you did wrong. There's nobody that's going to be able to help you because you have to want to learn it and you have to want to get better. If you are going to go ahead and blow up accounts, left, right, and center switching, you know, switching techniques, going low float, going caps, large caps, going options, crypto forex, it doesn't matter if you're not willing to take that time and be disciplined to learn it. Because if, if you're not going, you can have that desire, but if you're just going to be a sheep following somebody else, it's not for you. It's going to be much better if you learn it for yourself. And then it's like, what's the saying? You can teach a man how to fish and he'll eat for life, right? Yeah. So yeah. if you take that time to learn it, hey, okay, you're going to love it. And you have to be passionate about it because it it's not necessarily going to be for everybody, mm-hmm. but you have the ability to learn it. You can do anything you set your mind to. I've run four different marathons. I've pilot. I speak four different languages. Like you can do anything you put your mind to. Mm -hmm. It's a matter of how badly you want to make it happen.
1: Yeah. That, that tracking and that discipline is again, something we talk about all the time. I mean, I, I mean, yesterday I get this guy, uh, I I can't remember. (laughs) I think it might've been cracks or something, you know, he loses on a trade and he, he, he DMs me on, on Twitter and is like, Hey, you know, I lost on this trade. Will you tell me what I did wrong? And I'm like, yeah, you know, send me an annotated chart with your entries and your exits and what your thesis was. I never hear from him. You know, it's like, well, dude, what, what, do, you, what, do, you want me, what do you want me to do? If, you, if you're not even going to take the time to mark up a chart, you know, and it's just like, and, and just people, it's always that easy way out. And they don't want to track their trades. And it's like, you know, there's, oh, I'm losing, I'm losing, I'm losing. Okay, send me a spreadsheet, you know, send me this stuff. And they never do. You know, it's like, it's like yeah. that they, they want the fish but they don't want to learn how to fish, you know,
0: yeah. so, exactly. yeah. they want to go to the grocery store. They don't want to actually go to the pond and fish it for themselves.
2: <laughs> That's good. You're saying that too. Now Tim is the hunter. So he's got oh, a nice couple of here. refrigerators filled. Hey, I'm That's not, I'm
1: not worried about, I'm not, everybody's freaking out about meat shortages, man. I got 13 whitetail in the freezer. I'm not worried Beautiful. about
0: that. Venison chili. All right. <laughs> 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 Thank
2: you, Jane. This was really an amazing conversation and just, and I, and I'm just sensitive now to, uh, you know, women and maybe just finding more women traders to just be inspired by. And I think, you know, what, what, who were, the, were there women out there who encouraged you as you came into it? Uh, were there certain mentors that definitely helped you? Uh, it does, I feel like your personality nothing was going to stop you anyway, right? You had already been courageous enough to become a pilot uh, and to go down a whole nother path of culinary. So I'm, I'm kind of curious, so were there times when you felt a little stuck or worried or any kind of uh, imposter syndrome, like who am I to do this?
0: Well, for me, I think it was a matter of, I'm going to do it. Like you said, I'm going to prove it to myself and everybody else that there's no reason why a woman cannot do this. Um, and there's some great women out there. There's even more now. Um, there's Anne Marie Baird. Um, there's I don't know if you've heard of Mandy, Forest and Johnny. she's in Australia. She teaches people a lot about performance as well and helping unlock the blockages in their brains of why they're not moving forward. You know, hey, what were you doing? Um, there's also. Mish Snyder. She's great as well. Stephanie Cameron. There's so many out there now. Mm -hmm. I've also connected with a bunch of them, um, in hosting an annual webinar uh, an annual seminar as well. I always like to have 50, 50 female and male representation because there's no reason why there can't be more women out in the public with this. I feel like, you know, maybe sometimes the trolls on the internet can be a little harsh. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know what, that's okay. If you're going to put yourself out there, it's going to come. If you yeah. have haters, that means that they're jealous of something that you did. That's
2: right. That's right. It's an excellent point. Stephen, any other last questions?
3: No, no, it was just awesome. It was awesome having you on because obviously I've, I've been on and off following you for four years and, and you want you were pretty much one of the first traders that I kind of saw on Twitter uh, when I was learning other than Tim Sykes and stuff like that. So it's just nice to meet you after so many years.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you. Great to it's, meet you. Really, well,
1: again, you know, I would, thank you again, Jane. Um, and, you know, again, I, I I missed out on having that conversation with you at, at Sykes there um, a couple of years ago, and I, you know, I, I I I googled the book. I haven't read it yet, but I will. Um, I liked the FMJ uh, analogy, which which I won't say for to, to censor. But oddly enough, uh, you know, I as a big believer in simulation theory. Full Metal Jacket is one of my top two favorite movies.
2: Weird, true. weird. Stan-
1: big, big Stanley Kubrick fan. But anyway, so I'm anyway, thank you, it. Jane. Um, definitely, we'll, we'll link, you know, so, so remember everyone, if you're listening on iTunes, if you're on YouTube, head over to steadytrade.com. We'll link to Jane's book. We'll link to her social media so you can check it out. And, you know, I think, you know, the biggest takeaway Two biggest takeaways that from Jane, and, and I wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly believe, is anyone can do this. Uh, age, sex, race, you know, whatever it is, I think anyone can do this if you're passionate about it and you're diligent and you really, really want it. And if this is your first episode of the podcast, you, you know, you might not have heard me say this, but you can't be in this for the money. I mean, if you're just like, I want money. It's probably the wrong thing for you. If you're passionate, you know, and you can see Jane light up when she's talking about you know, these block yeah. trades and looking yeah. at these things and, and interpreting it. I mean, she's you, you feel it you, or you hear it. And if that's you, if you love it that much, anyone can do it. You can do it. So thank you again, everyone. Thanks, Jane. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks, Kim. And we'll see you next time on the Steady Trade Podcast.